In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and the hour of our death. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, it did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Granted by the same Spirit may be truly wise, and may rejoice in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. O Lady Guadalupe, St. Joseph, Father Bernalan Terry, St. Nation Loyola, all God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good evening. <clears throat> so we're in the season of Lent, which is a very Marian season. I'm, I'm sorry, Advent, yes. Thank you for that fraternal correction, yes. So we're in the season of Advent, which is a very Marian season. So on Thursday, we're going to see you again because it's the feast day of the Immaculate Conception and it's a holy day of obligation. You know, I, I've never, I like language, I've never liked the concept of holy day of obligation. You know why? We're, we're forced to go to Mass to honor Mary? That's an insult. So really... If you know language well, I don't think it should be a holy day of obligation. It should be a holy day of great joy. I certainly am not going to celebrate the Mass begrudgingly or angry, but with a lot of overflowing joy because we're honoring Mary. And it happens to be the patroness of the United States, patroness of the United States and the Philippines, no? it is the Immaculate Conception. You probably didn't know that, but now you know it. It's our patroness. Patroness of our country is the Immaculate Conception. So we'll see you either tomorrow night or sometime on Thursday. And bring your children. They're complaining or not, bring them anyway. Grab them, grab them by the hair and bring them anyway. But they should want to come to honor Mary. Should want to come. And then in six days we'll be celebrating Our Lady Guadalupe. Six days. And just uh, looking out here, I've noticed that seventy percent of the people here are Mexicans. Yeah. yeah. The big day, huh? The big day, right? Our Lady Guadalupe. And she's the patroness of Mexico and John Paul II said of the Americas. So we have the American conception, our patroness. Patroness of Mexico is a Lady Guadalupe. But John Paul II called her the patroness 
of the Americas. So Argentina, Canada, South America, Central America, North America. So we want to get to know Mary better. I've already given a couple of talks on this topic already in Espanol. And I was saying, those who are, are Mexicans, you should be the experts in Our Lady Guadalupe. Hello? Amen? Amen, Amen or all me? Okay. Amen. You know, you should be. You know, like the back of your hand. You've got, you've got your sons or daughters. You should be able to sit down talking for non-stop for an hour like I'm going to be doing. No? You should. You, if you love someone, you should be able to talk about that person you love, right? Right? <laughs> if you really love a person, you should be able to talk non-stop about that person you love and hopefully we love Mary. Now, I was thinking the other day about the, the way of the devil. How many... How many born-again Christians used to be Catholics? Many. How many Jehovah Witnesses used to be Catholics? Many. How many Mormons used to be Catholics? Many. You know, most Mormons are ex-Catholics. Most Jehovah Witnesses are ex-Catholics. The reason why is because they didn't come to formation class with Father Broom, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, another two days in purgatory for that baby, huh? <laughs> we leave our faith because we never really learned it in the first place. <clears throat> but theologically, I was thinking about that. Could it be the devil that pushes them out? Because if you you pushed out of the church, then you end up by rejecting Mary. What's going to happen on your day of judgment? Wow, that's, that's scary. So you go before Jesus on the day of judgment, hating his mother. What do you think Jesus is going to say? I don't be as blunt as me, but get the hell out of here. Go to hell, by the way. How can anyone go to heaven if they hate the Blessed Mother? And that's impossible, right? Hello? Yeah, if someone hating the Blessed Mother is going to be pretty hard to get in there. So, getting the person to get out of the, of the, of the church and rejecting Mary, th th their salvation is in serious jeopardy. Whereas we love Mary, even though we have many, many sins, many failures, but if we have great love for Mary, she's going to be on our side on the day of our judgment. Amen? I'm trusting when I die, even though I probably hit the confessional more, more often than you people, I'm really trusting that when I die, Jesus is going to say, you are a sinner, but there's someone there's someone who has a great love for you and it's my mother. Welcome home. I'm trusting in that. 
I've written books on it, huh? Some of you even have my book, huh? <laughs> I'm trusting by promoting Mary and devotion, writing on Mary, preaching Mary, trying to get your kids to love Mary, that Mary's going to open up at least the back door for me. Huh? Maybe the front door, front door on the roof, huh? Maybe the chimney, too. Huh? <laughs> Amen? Amen. So let's, uh, let's get to know uh, Lady Guadalupe a little bit better. I arrived here many years ago, I, I, and I was shocked how the Mexicans didn't know about the Lady Guadalupe. I mean, they know about the picture, Juan Diego, the flowers, but not, really nothing more than that. Most, I knew, I was, I was shocked. So we want to become experts, right, Abba Sally? See, Padre. Okay. The meaning of the word Guadalupe. Are you ready? She who crushes the head. She speaks Spanish. She who crushes the head. You Bible scholars are going to notice that Mary appears in the first book of the Bible as well as the last. Where does she appear in the last book of the Bible? Revelation chapter 12. A woman appeared clothed with sun, the moon underneath her feet with the stars on her head. That's the same woman. So it's a woman that crushes the head of the enemy, and there she is crowned as queen of heaven and earth. Yes? Yeah. So the reference, the reference for the Bible I'm, I'm already anticipating, number two, is Genesis chapter 3.15. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and yours. You'll wait for her, and she will crush your head. So Genesis 3.15. When is that? That's right after the sin of Adam and Eve. After the sin of Adam and Eve, God, God intervenes with three chastisements. Punishments on the woman, on the man, and on the serpent. But then 3.15 is what is called the Proto-Evangelium, which is the first gospel announcing that God would triumph, but through the woman. That woman is Mary. Genesis 3.15. Okay, let's move on now to the year of the apparitions. It would be 1531. 1531. As I'm getting older, I'm aware more and more of the importance of studying and knowing history, especially church history. So this is the 16th century, the 1500s. 
You know who's living at the same time? St. Ignatius of Loyola. St. Francis Xavier. Teresa of Avila. St. John of the Cross. St. John of Avila. St. Peter Alcantara. They're all, they're all living at the same time. It's incredible. And I'm just warming up. Those are the saints from Spain. Go over to Italy. There's always been a rivalry between the Italians and the Spanish. Who is the greatest, one of the greatest bishops in the church? St. Charles Borromeo. Did you know that his mother was from the Medici family, one of the richest families in the world, the Medici family? His mother was Medici. His uncle was a pope. St. Charles Borromeo. And the, the second apostle of Rome, Patty, St. Philip Neri. There's a church on Linwood, St. Philip Neri. I have a first-class relic of St. Philip Neri in my room. That's why I'm so joyful. No, the, the joyful saint, you got a little bone of Philip Neri. Who else? Battle of Lepanto, Pius V. Saint, sorry, Saint Pius V. Saint Camilla de, de Lelis, the big giant, was converted. He was addicted to gambling, El Casino. And I, if I had to write a doctoral thesis on church history, I would I would pick the 16th century. I I, I think it's fascinating. I'm not going to write it, but my doctoral thesis would be the saints of the 16th century and give a brief summary. Wouldn't that be a good doctoral thesis? Want to format it for me, Mary? <laughs> that might be a good doctoral thesis. I've never, I've never read that. Wouldn't that be a good one? No. I'm not. I'm warming up. And I'll tell you, okay, where, where my relatives come from, Rick, from England. Thomas More, ever hear of him? Man for all seasons. Edmund Cambian. John Fisher. They were all living at the same time. Right, Lydia? See, Padre. Yeah? So you have this whole host of these super saints that are living all at the same time in Europe. And then we have our friend Juan Diego. Are we we living in very easy times now or tough times? I would even use the superlative, the toughest of all times. He's the toughest of all times in the history of the world. Yeah? And there's only one solution. You have to become a saint. You too. Buena Santa. Yeah, you have to become a saint. There's, there's no other solution. Don't point the finger at others. Point the finger at yourself. I will try to become a saint. Amen? Amen. I would try to become a saint.
Is it possible? How many of you want to, how many of you want to go to heaven? Casino before? Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, all of you want to go to heaven. Who's in heaven? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Mary, the angels, and the... So for you to go to heaven, you have to become a saint. Got it? Yes. Got it? Yeah. So for, for you to go to heaven, you have to become a saint. You may not be a canonized saint. You ever hear the word canonized? I mean, that means shot out of the cannon. No, it's mean officially placed in the cannon of the mass, okay? <laughs> shot of the cannon through the sky. That's not the way. That's not the way it works. <laughs> officially proclaimed by the church. Most saints are anonymous. Anonymous, not proclaimed officially by the Holy Father. So I find I, I find um, I find history fascinating, and as the famous historian Toynbee says, he who does not know history is condemned to repeat the same errors. Remember that one, huh? Mm-hmm. He who does not know history is condemned to repeat the same errors. Huh? Yeah, revisionist, right? And you can apply that principle on anything. If I notice that you can hit a curveball, I'm going to throw a fastball at you. If I notice you hit an inside corner, it's going to be outside corner, high and away. And I'm going to strike you out, pal, because I know where you're weak at the bat. huh? Yeah, you can apply history in sports, debating, politics, but especially look at the church. If you know the errors, you don't have to repeat the same errors again. Okay, so, they're giving you a mini course in history. Let's go back to the number of apparitions would be four. You could throw in a baker's dozen. You could throw in five if you count the one of the apparition of Juan Bernardino, but four classical apparitions. Okay, so the person that God chose is, uh, his name is? You forgot one word, and I'm going to gently rebuke you. Saint Juan Diego, he's a saint. Poor guy had to wait four centuries and you're going to deprive him of that title? Come on. He had to wait. John Paul, he had to wait for 450 years. Right? Pretty patient, huh? It's a long time, isn't it? John Paul II, nine years. No? 205 to 14, remember? Nine years. Do you know who was canonized with John Paul II? Do you know? No, John the 23rd. 
John the 23rd. You, have any of you heard of John the 23rd? He was once asked, uh, how many people work in the Vatican? He said about half of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he had a sense of humor, no? <laughs> but half of them. <laughs> if you know church history, Fulton Sheen did not get along well with Cardinal Spellman, who was the most important cardinal in the United States. There's rivalry. John the 23rd said, Come here, Fulton. Let's take a photo to make Spellman jealous. Ah. Okay, what? Okay, what she requests? What did she request on December 9th when Juan Diego is heading toward the city of Mexico? Okay, so right that she she wanted a church to be built, and you can put. Church over Tepeyac. It's good to know that word, Tepeyac. Tepeyac. Okay, you see that December 9th? Do you know whose feast day we celebrate December 9th? Juan Diego. It's San Juan Diego, yeah. Pretty appropriate, huh? You got the First apparition in Juan Diego, St. Juan Diego is going to have his feast day and the first of the apparition. Very appropriate. This is a tough one now if you don't know your Spanish well. What's the name of the bishop? Juan Zumarga. Okay. Juan Zumarga with the, with the double R. Z U M A R R R R A G A. How about that? Zumarga. <laughs> yeah. I I think he's already a servant of God. I want to, to check check that out. I think he's a servant of God. I think I'll check that out tonight. Holy man. And he was. He was a Franciscan. Most bishops are not religious. There are diocesan priests who become. But now and then you're going to get a bishop that is a religious. The Pope was actually a Jesuit before. That's, that's pretty rare. All right, so... So Juan Diego meets the, this beautiful woman who says, I want a church built. So he goes to the bishop, and the reaction of the bishop, he goes and says, there's a lady here that wants a church to be built on this place called the Monte Tepeyac. And the reaction of the bishop was, you probably know, I'll get the contractors, the subcontractors, I'll get them to start on it right away. Is that what happened? No? Are you sure about that? No, he, well, he, um, he doubted. 
Maybe that's the best word. He, he, he doubted that this was the real thing. Technical word in would be incredulous if you want to use a very technical English word. Okay, Incredulous. Incredula in Spanish. He was doubting. And um, when the church approves apparitions, you usually have to go through a series of questioning whether or not this person has psychological problems, optical illusion, this person has a tendency to kind of imagine things. That's what the church will always do. So he's, he's a good bishop. I mean, he's not going to jump to the conclusion. But he's going to change, though. So, on December, so December 9th in the morning, he meets our lady. Then he sees the bishop. When he's going back, who does he meet again? He meets our lady on the way back. And when he's going back, He's really in good spirits, right? He's really happy, right? No, no, he's in he's in desolation. There's the Ignatian word. He's in desolation, and um, what he says is to to this lady, "Why don't you get someone else? He's someone more important than me. I'm a I'm a I'm a nobody. Get someone who's got better credentials, okay?" Someone who's a little bit more polished, more articulate, more eloquent. Huh? <laughs> and what that lady said, you know, I'm going to get a professor from the University of Mexico to do it. <laughs> huh? No. She loved him even more because of his, how humble he was. No? Humble and simple, transparent. She loved him all the more. And our lady loves... Mary loves humility. Humility and simplicity and transparency. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. He lived that childlike simplicity of the gospel. Amen? So you can put um, that, that Mary chooses him to be, probably the best word is embajador, ambassador. Embajador, ambassador in English. Spanish to say embajador. It's a good word, huh? What is the ambassador? He who, he who represents the ambassador of the United States. He who represents the country, right? Think about it. Here he is, representing the queen of the universe. What a, what a mission, huh? This isn't just any woman. She's the queen of the angels and the saints. No greater woman in the whole universe, huh? The angels bow at the name of Mary. <laughs> okay, the 10th. Okay, the 10th of December. Okay, so what's going to... Okay, um, okay the, the, so the... So the, t- the 10th of December, number 11, should be... Later with the bishop. One day, 
So num number 10 should be on December 9th. There's two operations on the 9th. Okay, okay so on the, on the 10th, okay, on, the, on, the, on the 10th, okay, the bishop asked for a sign. Okay, so that's number 11. The 10th, the bishop asked for a sign. That's right. The bishop asked for the sign. And asked for a sign. Okay, so on number 12 is Juan Diego. Okay, Juan Diego spends the whole day with his uncle. Okay. Yeah. So he spends the whole day with his uncle. Because his uncle is almost dying. I'd like to either make a, a a commentary on him spending the whole day with his uncle. Do not neglect the elderly. Do any of you have any of your parents that are still living? Okay. Do not neglect the elderly. And that's what Juan Diego teaches us December 11th. Do not neglect the elderly. You've got your mother and father, they're getting up in years, they're feeble, make sure that you stay close to them and you help them when they get older. You hear me? Yeah. That's my interpretation of December 11th. He spent the whole day with his uncle trying to help him. We don't know exactly what happened, but he did not leave the bedside of his uncle because his uncle was very sick. I have a 91-year-old mother, and I, I try to stay very close to her physically. I've never done this before in the past six months. I left the parish, traveled to New Hampshire because she was very sick, and I came back here again, and two weeks later, there I was again. And I've never done that in 28 years because she was very sick. And even though, you know, New Hampshire, that's a long flight, you know? It's worth it. Your parents are not 91, <laughs> but your parents are getting older. Make sure they try to stay close to them. <coughs> and even more important, when your parents are getting elderly, even more important, make sure that they receive the sacraments before they die. Yes? You know, when I, I flew back to New Hampshire, she, she was weak. I heard her confession. I'm a priest, too. I gave her the anointing of the sick. I gave her the apostolic pardon, which means a plenary indulgence. I gave her Holy Communion, and she said, Now, son, I'm ready to die. <laughs> yeah. And me and my brother prayed the rosary in the chapel of divine mercy. And then she, she got better. But she was ready. She's ready to go. Well, son, I'm ready. Nothing on my conscience. Ready to go. If God wants to, wants to take me, here I am. No. But God still has a mission for her. 
And she's got 39 grandchildren. How many of you have 39 grandchildren? No? She's got a huge family and probably God wants and half, half of them are teenagers, no? <laughs> like your kids, no? Teenagers have problems all over the world. Probably her prayers. God wants her prayers to help some of her teenagers get through these tough times. You have elderly parents, I mean, get good medical assistance, make sure, get a priest. You have a huge advantage if you have a friend as a priest, I'll tell you. Don't get me angry. No me haga enojar, okay? Yeah, it's a huge advantage, huh? Even a great advantage is if, if, if your son is a priest, right? <laughs> okay, so what happened? Uh, okay, on December on December twelfth. Okay, we call December twelfth. Put the word in Spanish, las mañanitas. Okay, so mañanitas is because Mary appeared early in the morning. Okay, so number 14, Juan Diego tried to avoid Mary. She's appearing, tried to avoid her because if he met her, then he wouldn't be able to get to the city of Mexico to get the priest. So he tried to go around, and what happened? She cut him off. <laughs> he tried to go around the hill. <whistles> and he said to her, Oh, how'd you sleep, huh? Give you a nice rest? So 14, he tried to avoid her. Okay, now number 15. What I'm going to do is I've divided 15 into into four and let four letters on what Our Lady said to Juan Diego. She said a lot, but I'll give you the, the first the first few things she says. I'll, I'll say it in Spanish and I'll translate it in English. He said, No te flicas, no soy yo tu madre, te tengo en el cruzado de mis brazos, estás siempre en mi sombra, estás en el hueco de mi regazo. Okay, so I've given you what I believe to be the very heart of the message. Now I'll translate that in English now, okay? So she says, Letter A. Right on. Do not worry, I am your mother. Do not worry, I am your mother. Okay, most of the women here are mothers. Most of you are. 
You love your children? Poco or mucho? It depends on the day, huh? <laughs> no, I, I know that all you have great love for your children. Okay, you love your children. Okay, listen to St. Augustine says, put all the love of all the mothers of all time together, the love that the Blessed Mother has for you is much greater. That's a lot of love, isn't it? Isn't, isn't Augustine the great writer? Put all the love of all the mothers of all time and places together. Put that all together. The love that Mary has for you is much greater. And that's not exaggeration. So if you're feeling depressed, think about that, and that'll bring you from desolation to consolation. If you don't believe me, read my new book. Amen? (laughs) I don't think anyone can read that new book and not end up by really loving Mary. Amen? Mary and I'll I'll sell it to you right afterward, okay? (laughs) Buy five copies to give her Christmas gifts. Right, Mary? (laughs) The letter B is... She says, I have you in the crossing of my arms. Kusadami's brassos. Crossing of my arms. And that means you are in my heart. Because in the crossing of the arms, what do you have behind the crossing of the arm? You have the heart. So we want to find refuge in two places, the heart of Jesus and the heart of Mary. Amen? Amen. Two good refuges. Then letter C. Okay, you're in my shadow. Palabra sombra would be shadow. Remember as a kid, I used to love, love running races, no? And one race I would do, and I'd always lose, I would, I would race against my shadow. I'd go down, ready, set, go, and I'd run and butt to the wall, and by the time I got there, my shadow beat me. Then I ran back, I said, okay, I'm going to beat you this time. I ran back, he still beat me. I did that for about ten times, and I gave up. And I got tired before my, my shadow got tired, believe it or not. <laughs> so the shadow means, what does that mean? Santa Maria del Camino. Wherever we go, Mary's with us. See, it's a shadow. Are you not in my shadow? In Spanish, no estás en mi sombra. These are the words of Mary. I'm translating them into English. If you know Spanish, it will be Santa Maria del Camino. Wherever we go, Mary's with us in, in the highway of life. 
Okay, then the last would be, this is, this is difficult to translate. I'll try to do the best I can. Estás en el hueco de mi regazo. Does anybody know Spanish well? Your Spanish is kind of ringiando. No, it's not. It's not really the bosom would be. Hueco de mi regazo would be basically my my womb. Okay, hueco would be emptiness. Regazo would be the apron. And therefore, beyond the apron, you got the womb of the of the woman. Yeah. So the translation is not easy, but I'll give you the spiritual interpretation is. A, a very sacred place is the womb of the of the woman. Very sacred. Your, your womb is very sacred. You know, I had a baby there. Very sacred. One or two pregnant women. Very sacred. Walking on sacred ground. Very, very sacred. And that's where God is bringing new life, human life, but that baby can be baptized, supernatural life. So Mary teaches us the, the dignity, the beauty of the woman, but the sacredness of human life, which starts in the womb of the woman. That's the way God wants it to be. Yes. And that's why we say, what? Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, right? The Hail Mary. We're, we're praising Jesus in the womb of Mary, in the Hail Mary, we say in the Rosary. That's why Our Lady of Guadalupe is a patron of the pro-life movement. If you've ever done any pro-life marches in front of abortion clinics, you go to Washington, D.C. in January, you're always going to have a beautiful image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I mean, Mary is always the patron of pro-life, but especially Our Lady of Guadalupe. And we'll arrive at it as I head toward the end of my talk today. Now, what does what does some of you have heard of Saint Louis de Montfort, True Devotion to Mary? Saint Louis de Montfort, Saint Louis de Montfort. He says we are called as sons of Mary to enter into the womb of Mary so that Mary can form us. So no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in us. St. Louis de Montfort. I love that. And that's really the essence of my, my consecration program. We want, to, we want to enter the womb of Mary so Mary can form us so we can be another Christ. Amen? Amen. There's no one that can form us to be more like Christ than Mary. Amen? Okay, who? Jesus had two natures, right? Divine. Divine and human. Who gave Jesus his human nature? Who? Who formed the, the heart? Who formed the heart of the sacred heart of Jesus? Mary and the woman we had the sacred heart of Jesus was being formed. Now, a beautiful pro-life activity is a pregnant woman to let your little children Feel the baby kicking. My mom did, did that when I was a kid. My, I have a brother that's 14 years younger than me. When she was pregnant, I feel him. And Jimmy, boy, he was kicking. 
he was kicking up a storm. What a beautiful pro-life image that was. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be a boy. He's going to be a football player probably. No? <laughs> Do everything you can to promote uh, the pro-life movement. Everything you can. Promote that baby. Has a right to be born. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So th- those are some of the words of related. I consider the most important words of the December 12th apparition. There's more, but I think that that's the heart of it. Like the first four ideas. Okay, so let's move on to number 16. Okay, then the sign to bring to the bishop would be okay, the roses. So write down the the roses. So the roses. Now number seventeen, in that if you don't remember what happened, she's seeing a lady and he wants a sign. She says, Look over there. He goes over there. There's these roses of different colors that are growing on the uh, on the hill. And she tells him to cut the roses and put them in his tilma. So he does that. And then she arranges the roses in an orderly fashion in the tilma. The tilma would, would be the apron. They call it a tilma. Okay. In that, there are three different miracles. First is... Roses don't grow in winter. If you've ever done work, garden work, you're not going to have roses growing in the middle of winter unless there's a miracle. And even in Hawaiian gardens, right? (laughs) Hawaiian gardens. No pun intended, huh? The second is if you've ever done garden work, you have to have you have to have a special plot of land. Rose is not going to be growing in the rocky desert. It has to be a garden with fertile ground. You have the fertilizer. You have to have the you know, special air. You have to have the sun. You have to have the dew. I've done a little bit of garden work. I'm, I'm not a professional, but I have a little bit of common sense. It's not going to be growing on a rocky hill. But these beautiful roses were growing on a rocky desert hill. Another miracle. Now the third one I think you're going to find very interesting culturally. They were roses de Castilla. Those only grew in Spain. The bishop was from, guess where? Spain. There's a third miracle. And that bishop sees those roses. Those roses come from where I come from. So there's actually a triple miracle in that. And one of the basic thrusts of this talk, I'm just going to go through miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle that happened as a result of this apparition in Guadalupe. And I'll leave the last miracle, the last 
best miracle for last. It will be a spiritual miracle. Physical miracles are great, but spiritual miracles are even more important. All right, so. Number 19. Another one when Juan was with the people and his, and his simple cloak. Okay, so let's try to, try to go through what's happening. So Our Lady organizes the, the roses in his tilma and he's heading off toward the city of Mexico. He arrives at the city of Mexico and there's the residence of the, of the bishop. And outside the residence of the bishop, there are people kind of loitering around there Juan Diego has already been there several times, and the people feel that this guy is a—he's just a rabble rouser. He's just a troublemaker. They believe he's a hysterical visionary, and he's just imagining this. So the people surrounding the bishop's palace don't like Juan Diego. They don't like him at all. They think he's just a liar. So he arrives, and what they do—they see him with the tilma bent back unless he seemed to be hiding something so what do they do they, they, they pull the tilma down and here's another miracle so the roses instead of falling they end up remaining painted on his tilma just a miracle after miracle they should have fallen to the ground but they remain painted on his tilma for that short time So even they tried to grab them, they couldn't grab any because they were painted there in the tilma. Okay, let's let's move on. So the greatest miracle is number nineteen. He arrives at the at the bishop's residence. He gets in after waiting a long time, and he arrives before the bishop and out of reverence to the bishop he falls to his knees and he opens up his tilma. And the roses come cascading to the ground. But there's a greater miracle. Which is? So you're looking at it right now. You have the Our Lady Guadalupe which is painted on this tilma. That was painted by the Holy Spirit. How about that? Holy Spirit is a pretty good artist, isn't he? So the bishop, the bishop's reaction was that of repentance and overflowing joy. Repentance that he didn't believe the first time. And his overflowing joy at seeing this image of the Blessed Mother. So number 21, who came to give even more proof of this miracle? Okay, his uncle. And Patty, what was his name? Salco's name was Juan Bernardino. And Juan Bernardino says that he was healed the same time of day that 
that Juan Diego was seeing her on Monte Tepeyac by location, no? Padre Pio, huh? Two places at the same time. Seeing that that's the same, that's the same woman that came to visit me when I was laying, dying in my bed there. She appeared to me and she healed me. So you see a lady appearing to Juan Diego and the uncle at the same time. So the uncle was cured by the virgin. Immediately. At the same time she appeared yep. And then, then shortly after, shortly after, uh, it's, is draped up somewhere in the bishop's uh, palace. Shortly after that, his uncle comes walking in and saying, she's the one that actually healed me. So he got like about ten different miracles. No? He was dying. How could, how could a man that's dying tra- travel several miles? They didn't have a Mercedes-Benz or Uber or a taxi or a helicopter. I don't think so, no? Poor guy had to walk, but he was so healthy that he was able to walk to the city of Mexico and give witness to the bishop that he was healed instantaneously by Lady Guadalupe. What was his name? Juan Bernardino. We've got uh, San Bernardino here in California, right, in honor of this guy. Learn something new every day, huh? Okay, so if you can, yes. Good question. Um, uh, did he ever? Yeah, well, what happened when when he sees her? When he sees her, she know, she knows his desire, and she says, "Don't worry." So it was implicitly it was implied that he was asking that. You know, Mary's very intelligent. He knew she knew exactly why he was going there. She said, "Don't worry, I'm your mother." So at least implicitly. Okay, what I like to do is jump jump over. Skip number 22 and go to okay, 23. Then they built the they built the church of Our Lady Guadalupe. Inside the church there is the image of Our Lady Guadalupe, and Our Lady Guadalupe will hear our prayers. She'll hear our prayers. You want to turn to the last page where you've got okay, more miracles. So I'm going to give you a series of miracles. Don't forget, miracles come from God and the miracles can come through the intercession of Mary. Another miracle okay, would be so the the people who are aware of this um, 
of this apparition and Juan Diego and the Telma, the, the Indians there, they're celebrating. So they're celebrating and one of them takes a bow and arrow and he shoots the arrow. Guess where it goes? And if you've ever been to Our Lady Guadalupe in Mexico, ever been there? None of you? You will be able to see there's, there's the old basilica, then there's a new one. And the old basilica, there's a lot of beautiful art pieces there which show the different apparitions, the old one. The, uh, but because the ground is actually sinking, they've actually closed the old one and you go in the new one. But the old one is still present. They haven't torn it down. Hope they never do. So this, uh, this Indian shoots an arrow and it, go, and it cuts the throat of another guy. And it kills him. So he's dead. So they bring this Indian to the image of the Lady Guadalupe. He touches the image and he brought back to life. And then they pull the arrow out. And there's only two small holes that can be seen when they pull the arrow out. There's another two miracles. Number one, a dead person doesn't come back to life. And I have a brother that's a surgeon, so if you'd ask him, you're going to yank that, you're going to yank that, that arrow, that'll, that, would, that would kill you. So the arrow came out smoothly and left just two small little marks. Now, from that time on, you had a massive conversion of the people. And it, it took that to just break all resistance in almost the whole country. 90% of these people become Catholic. So it was that miracle, that, that key miracle, Mary bringing someone back to life that, uh, that brought, the, the, it's like a tidal wave tidal wave of conversions. Yeah. Beautiful story. Okay, a few other miracles. I don't know if I say this right in, in, uh, in Mexican. Maguey? I think Maguey. Ma, ma, Maguey would be the texture of the of the tilma, like cactus fiber, usually it would decompose in twenty to thirty years. Getting close to five hundred years and it's still fresh. Another miracle. So write that down. The fact that it hasn't decomposed in almost five hundred years. Okay, and I'll give you another miracle. There's a crazy guy that, that threw um, arsenic acid on top of it, which should have burnt it, turned into, turned into water. That should have burnt right through it. All right, I got two other miracles. This miracle 
occurred about a um, hundred years ago. There was a crazy guy that came into the church and he looked like a pious man and he knelt down in front of the image of related Guadalupe and he had a bouquet of roses. And he got up and he left and there was a lot of people in the basilica. What he did was he had hidden within those roses a bomb. So the bomb exploded. It was like an earthquake. And the whole foundation trembled. And there was a big metal crucifix was bent over backwards. Nothing at all happened to the image. It should have blown it to smithereens. No, should have. And it's almost as if Jesus on the cross was trying to protect his mother. That's the interpretation I give. Now, some of you have been to the... If you've been to the Basilica, you've seen that, that crucifix. Or you don't remember. Because it's... It's there in the new church next to the image of Lady Guadalupe. It's a, probably about six feet tall metal of iron. You see it bent over backwards. Now, if a piece of metal can be bent over backwards, what about a very fragile texture of maguey that should have been blown to, blown to smithereens? Okay. Uh, I'm giving you about 15 different miracles, but the miracles they show the power of Mary and the power of God. Now I'm giving you one of probably one of the most modern miracles related to something very sad. The United States, you probably know that abortion was legalized in 1973, January 22nd. So this January 22nd will be 50 years. Okay, 50 years. And thanks be to God that Roe vs. Wade was overcome. But still, now we've got it. You probably know that Roe vs. Wade is overcome, but still on state levels, about half of our states prohibit it, but half of the states allow it. And this is about the worst state in the country. California is about the most liberal state in the country. It's becoming an asylum of those who come from other states come here to get the abortions. So... Sad to say, in Mexico, they legalized abortion in the year 2006 in Dayefe, in the city of Mexico. You probably know that. So, so in 2006, the, the Supreme Court in Mexico was going through whether or not to legalize it or not. At that time, you had these pious Mexican people that were going in front of Our Lady Guadalupe the image. And they're praying to Our Lady Guadalupe that that would not be legalized. Now, you can check this out on YouTube and it's documented. Right right before it was legalized, this is doc. you can see in the image of Lady Guadalupe, you can see the womb of Mary illuminated. You can see a fetus moving up and down. Check it out on YouTube. I'm not making this up. It's documented. So right, right before, you see this little baby in the in the image itself moving up and down. What was Our Lady saying? Don't legalize abortion. 
Now, I, um, I worked a little bit with Father Juan Rivas. Some of you heard of Father Juan Rivas, yes. who founded Radio Guadalupe. I had my own program for about 10 years, okay? And uh, Father Juan Rivas said this, ever since they legalized abortion in Mexico, Mexico has gone down the tubes. Narcotraficante, La Santa Muerte. I mean, they had problems. But since they legalized abortion, the problems have increased and increased. And Father Juan Rivas wrote a really good article on that many years ago, maybe 15 years ago. That has caused many more moral problems in Mexico. And many of our problems, many of our problems come from the fact that we have legalized abortion. Many of our problems. However, to encourage all of you, we have the best pro-life movement in the world. The pro-life movement in the United States is very good, very strong. The United States is probably even stronger than those who are in favor of abortion. The pro-life movement, man, it's strong. So, there's another miracle for you. The lady was saying by that baby, and it will illuminate moving up and down, that protect human life. And by the way, if you look at Our Lady Guadalupe, you see that black ribbon? You see the black ribbon? Yes. What does that mean? Okay, the Mexican women, I don't know if they still do it in Mexico now, but back 400, 500 years ago, pregnant women would have a ribbon around their, around their waist. Look how high it is. December 12th? What happened December 25th? Obviously, very close to when Jesus is going to be born. Now, if you want, there are there are books explaining that in the most minute detail. And we had an expert that came here about five years ago, Fernando from Mexico. Some of you remember, he's one of the greatest experts who came and gave talks to you people and your kids on Our Lady Guadalupe. So get to know it better. And better. So those are those those are great miracles. Great miracles. Okay, for um, for for lack of time, let's let's jump down to the last. Series of questions, okay? As parents of our children, we can teach Our Lady Guadalupe in this way. Okay, so I'm going to give you several things you can do because you've got your teenagers. First, I encourage all of you to have a beautiful image of Our Lady Guadalupe in all the rooms in your house, okay? Not just one. Have a nice image of Our Lady Guadalupe in all the rooms. Okay, hopefully that size too, okay? The bigger the better. Have an image of Lady Guadalupe. I mean, I, I, have, I have visited many, many homes, all the homes in Hawaiian Garden, probably three times, you know, doing home visitations. I've entered into rooms of teenagers. It's like entering, entering into the threshold of hell with... ACDC and Black Satan, all these 
ugly images. No, you want to make sure that you've got a beautiful image of a lady of Guadalupe. Hmm? Cast out the bad spirits, huh? Yeah. Amen? Amen. <laughs> yeah, we got a little Santa Muerte and all these other things. Have a lady of Guadalupe. And she'll... Okay. Second thing is... Um, See if, see if you can get a good a good movie on a Lady Guadalupe. You got some cartoon movies. Good movie on a Lady Guadalupe, and see it in these next few days. We've had the the cartoon version, which is about twenty minutes. I like it, the cartoon one. I mean, there's ones you can go beyond the cartoon, but sometimes the cartoon ones are are better than the other ones. No. Okay. The third. What the third thing I would suggest is um, study the whole the whole uh, history and message and dynamic of Our Lady Guadalupe. I've just given you a brief summary, but but study it in greater detail. There's a lot written on it. Okay, number I think number four is I'm gonna give you the best source out there now. Okay, I'm gonna be speaking in Nawel right now. Nawel? Okay, Nikan Mopua. If you go N I C A N Mopua M O P U A. If you Google that in, you'll see the most reliable source of Our Lady of Guadalupe. N-I-C-A-N Mopua. M-O-P-U-A. You've got Juan Valeriano who is a Spaniard that translated from the from the language of Juan Diego. He spoke Aztec. So you're going to have about probably five or six pages of these different apparitions. It's the most authentic, authentic you have. If, if you just Google in Nikon Mupu, you'll see Spanish and English and Italian. Or, you know, do the English or the Spanish. And you could, you could read through the whole thing probably in a good 40 minutes. Nikon Mopua. Okay, next is this. Where are you going to be Sunday... At nine at, at nine o'clock in the morning, I'll tell you you're going to be in Hawaiian Gardens. <laughs> you're going to be in the center of this beautiful little city. No? Okay, the cholas are in bed at that time, so don't worry. Okay, <laughs> right? The cholas in bed at that time. No? They'll be hungover. Yeah. They'll be hungover. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Too much champurado, right? <laughs> and tamales, right? Pandulce, right? So we're going to have we're going to have a, a procession with Our Lady Guadalupe this Sunday at uh, City Hall, and it's a very short walk. Hawaiian Gardens is the smallest city in LA. Did you know that? It's 0.9 square miles. It's the smallest. So we're going to be walking with the different floats, the different apparitions. 
and we'll walk all the way to the church and we'll have a mass at 10 o'clock. So you, you want to come, especially with your kids. With your kids. We want to have a public manifestation of our belief in the Blessed Mother. All right. And the last thing I'd like to say is, um, is, uh, do any of you have problems or you had problems in your life you haven't had problem yet? <laughs> Not yet? Hello? With your problems, imitate Juan Diego. Bring your problems to a Lady Guadalupe. Amen. That's maybe the most important message all night. Okay. With your problems, go to a Lady Guadalupe and open up and tell her your problems, and she'll help you. Maybe not the way you expect, but she'll help you. And you find you're in desolation. You're going through a tough time. Go and talk to a Lady Guadalupe. Talk to her. Offer your tears to her, your complaints to her. Open up and talk to Mary. And she will never fail you. She said, No soy yo tu madre. Te tengo la cruzada de mis brazos. Amen? The Lord be with you. Through the intercession of Our Lady Guadalupe and St. Joseph and St. Juan Diego, may God bless you. Peace, enjoy, long life, and eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we'll see you on Sunday, right? Quick announcement. Um, my beautiful, lovely wife made uh, cupcakes to celebrate my birthday. So we'd like to oh, offer you. Oh, wow, okay. How much? A dollar a piece? A dollar a piece. Oh, no. <laughs> Free of charge, yeah. Huh?